Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, where we talk wine, we talk story, and we talk from the best wine region in the game right now, and that's Paso Robles Wine Country. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Okay, right into the show. I mean right into the show. But don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Please share with a friend who loves wine, especially if they're stuck on some of these other wine pods that are just boring AF. You know what I'm talking about. Let them know about where wine takes you. All right. Okay. We have two heavy hitters today. One, I am just meeting for the first time formally. First, though, a return guest. You love him. You thought he had it all before, and he still does. But now you just have to add about seven or eight zeros to it all because he just sold his brand to Constellation. I'm going to find out how many zeros we are talking about, too. We are talking about Eric Jensen of Booker Vineyard. Recent Paso news is Constellation just bought him out. It's big news locally, obviously. It's big news nationally. And we're going to get the first big sit down with Eric. And I am told I can ask him anything. Eric and Booker, they were featured in, I want to say, episode three titled Why Paso, where we featured not only Eric Jensen, but Austin Hope. It's really a great episode. I encourage you to check it out. In there, Eric shares with us the idea behind the My Favorite Neighbor brand and the Harvey and Harriet brand, also acquired by Constellation. And you get Eric, which as you will hear in this episode again, he is bigger than life, incredibly charismatic, and pulls no punches. A great testament to what happens when you mix your dream, your hustle, and some land on the west side of Paso together and make a life here. Think for a second, if you had a business, you started from the ground up and you got to negotiate for someone to buy it for more money than you've ever seen, what would you do? Where would you go? You would definitely start to buy the expensive toilet paper. That Charmin Ultra Red, all day, every day, bring it. But one thing we will learn about Eric is he has already lived like he's been balling since day one. He's so ahead of his time, it's just now kind of caught up to him. So I can't wait to chat. Also, can't wait to introduce you to Juan Mercado. The guy, like, knows everyone. I was uh, with my girl, who I've mentioned is at Epic, and we did this private tasting, I want to say a little over a year ago, at this house in L.A., this big house. It was, like, actually Howard Hughes' old home. It was so fun, and I was like, who put this all together? I asked her, and she's like, oh, some guy named Juan Mercado. I've heard his name around, and when I looked at a picture of him, I've seen his face around, but I've not got a chance to really connect and get to know him. Dude is super well-connected. We're going to meet him today, learn his story. It's fantastic. He and his partner started Realm in Napa in 2002, and it's one of the cult wines of the cult wine scene. I mean, numerous 100-point scores. Wines go for crazy amounts, upwards of like too large for some of his bottles I see online right here. They're hard to get. They're unreal. And now he's going to be making the move to Paso from Napa to start a brand right here. I'm curious, what about Paso? I mean, the people, the land, there's so many things that we know Paso does so well. But for a guy like that to come down here, make the big move, it's exciting. We'll taste some of his new wines, too. I'm not even sure what they're called. We'll have to ask him if he can divulge what this uh, winery is going to be called. We're going to learn all about one, where wine has taken him, how he maps out his success, and why he is choosing to make that move from Napa to Paso. I show up to Booker Vineyard, and we meet in Eric's cave. It is just beautiful. It is so picturesque. Every direction is just so rad. Uh, Last time I was here, executive producer Jill Peterson and I were a guest on Eric's podcast, Popping Corks, 
So, yes, the tables have turned. This time, I will be asking the questions. A lot to ask. You know I love topics of acquisition and all the personal dynamics surrounding it. So let's jump right in. So give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Cheers. Do you have anything in there, Juan? Good God. I do. I do. I do. Cheers. Good gentleman. Um, in the cave, Eric. Did you have to get permission to be in here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the toned down cave. So there were, Hi, Adam. Yeah. Hey, Juan. So, so, there, were, uh, so there, were, there were two deals, right? Yeah. Yeah. They did a JV deal first. What's that mean? Just a joint venture deal. They bought 30% of the company, which okay. gave them no say, nothing. Kind of like right now. I mean, they're the best. Uh, literally, they, they have say, but they, they, they don't want it. They want to defer to us as the pros on, you know. Like there's a reason this is what it they is. They are remembering why they purchased Booker. And I told them that in the beginning, that when you start the new constellation with the new management, the new CEO, Robert Hansen, new head of uh, uh, Fine Wine and Spirits, Matt McCarg. Their whole deal is we want to remember why we like companies like you. Like, we don't want to screw them up. Yeah. We, we just like to own them and have them in our portfolio and help them grow with sales. But, you know, we don't, we, your hospitality, you guys are better at it than us if we can help you in any way. So, so do you write that into the deal? Like, when they find it, so they make the second purchase, which was of late, yep. and they acquire 100%, right? I mean, your house is probably your house. No, they, I, I carved out the house, the guest house, the gym. Basketball court. Basketball court. For sure. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting that constellation. But I still, every employee still works out in there. Yeah. We'll still do yoga in there. The barn is still given to them. Uh, it's Why not? They yeah. lease all my vineyard land, but I'm still out there with the crew and looking at... Is this like written in a contract, like a sports contract? Like, we'll do this for two years? Because I've talked to people like, whether it's Adam Lee or... Um, I mean, shoot, you hear some crazy situations that go like super... They're, they're super sad. You hear some great situations where they're like, oh my God, I, I'm loving this. Adam Lee's he's kicking ass. Um, do they write that in like, we'll keep you for a couple of years and then we have the, the choice to do what we want? Or how does that work? I'm not Adam Lane. <laughs> Adam Lane's a stud. Right. He, he's a legend. Uh, uh, he, he really is. But I think Adam was just done running things. He wanted to kind of be told what to do. I wasn't done with that part. I just didn't want to create a sales team globally for this new concept of Harvey and Harriet that I had in my favorite neighbor. At, at my age, did I really want to go invest you know, 10 million in infrastructure and sales and all that. The answer was no. If I was younger, I would have just done it and wrote it out. Yeah. And so as I was interviewing and looking at potential partners, they were the, the best. Their, their vision of fine wine, they got rid of all the low end stuff. They moved that all to Gallo. And all they wanted to do is be, we want cult style bourbon, wines, white uh, uh, liquor. Sorry about the cough. I'm three weeks over COVID. And the cough is like day one. Yeah. That's um, always that's the last thing to go to. So it was incredible. So like they're the best. I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying this. I, I don't make any money saying this. But the way we structure the deals, I still run the company. Like I, I'm still making every blend. I'm, you know, yeah, I got a great winemaking team and they're freaking uber competent. 
but I'm still stamping every blend. I'm in every blending session. I'm still around it. So Harvey and Harry, also my favorite neighbor, we talked about those and I think like episode three. I think you're only one of the few to do this episode, to do it twice. So it's really cool to have you back, by the way. And thanks for having me here. Juan had mentioned earlier, he thought I should have already been on three times. But yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Juan Mercado is in the house. Have we? I'm so excited to meet him. And I have a thousand questions for him. I spent all day reading about him after what I was doing at the radio station. And before, when you were upstairs and kind of getting some stuff prepared for here, I had a really cool conversation. I can't wait to pick Juan's brain. He's like a ghost, though. Like, everybody hears me, Juan. Yeah, well, that's what it was with me. And I, no one and then I even the looked, And then I even looked at a picture of him, and I was like, God, I feel like I met him. I feel like I, I know him or met him. And But he's like this enigma. Who knew? But I can't wait to hear. Always has a beanie on. Yeah. Or a baseball hat. That's hard because I don't I don't look good in beanies. A lot of people don't, I think. I got, like, I got a red swollen nose. Yeah, I just look like a cholo. It just yeah. doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> Bato. Yeah. Um, so Juan's in the house. His new project, the name is not uh, uh, revealed yet. We... We'll, we'll try and get it out of him. We, we tried already. Yeah, yeah, we'll try on the air too. We, we kick his ass. I mean, that's <laughs> one way. You beat it out of him. There's, uh, but the wines are it's delicious. never going to happen. So on the wine deal, real quick, we're drinking. I'm on his Grenache, which is startling. One, real quick, before we jump into him trying to get into my back pocket and find out the <laughs> fucking details of this deal. The dirt. Uh, talk, talk to us real quickly about this fucking absolutely baller uh, Grenache, which... Cool climate, obviously, to me. I mean, it, your whole program right now, because of where you're landed, is, is more cool climate, right? You're buying from other places. Yeah, it's a blend. Uh, this is a Grenache that we're having um, all west side, you know, Willow Creek, York Mountain. and uh, But it is a blend. So we've got uh, Shadow Canyon uh, Grenache. We've got Paderewski Grenache, Full Draw, your next door neighbor. And uh, yeah, but it is, but it is a blend. What okay. else? What, what else do you want to go over, buddy? I want to talk. I want to finish my constellation questions. Thought I got rid of that. No, shit. you th- you think you're, you're going to outsmart me on that? I mean, I know you're good, but you're not that good. Well, I didn't think it would be that hard, to be honest. But <laughs> well, no, I mean it's it's interesting. So when this when something like this goes down, do you think about how you want to like? Obviously, the other brands like we t- first talked about. In the last conversation, we talked about my favorite neighbor and Harvey and Harriet. Those are brands that you want to use to scale a bit, right? And Booker's kind of, it's, that's... Booker's just stuck in time, yeah. Yeah. It is where it is. Do you think they want to grow Booker too? No, no interest. No interest. Not in our five-year plan. And that was a, a, a great deal for me. I was actually growing Booker faster than they wanted to grow it. But I had Epic's Vineyard next door. Right. I, I had some great stuff. So I'm like, fine, let's, let's grow a little bit and take on some new consumers that have never been able to get the wine but uh harvey and harriet the the again the concept is the same as it's always been create a legitimate in that 30 dollar price range there's a lot of messed up wines, yeah right? sure either bulk juice either you know full of you know mega purple and whatever else you're going to put in it i wanted to create something for americans because 30 dollars is that is even a little expensive right really there's the 12 15 range is the is the biggest in sales I wanted to create something that everybody could put on their dinner table, including people that drink $100 bottles and $80 bottles, but really more for the $30, $40, $50 person and say, they're making their growers farm it organically in their contract. They're doing it right. They're making it no different than they make anything else. And it's from Baller Vineyards that we pay attention to. When you were walking through this journey, how were you, because I know Paso is so important to you and you're very deliberate in your decision-making. When you're walking through this journey, how much are you paying attention to, I got to do this the right way. Like when this all is said and done, I want to, you know, feel like this was good for me, good for Paso. I don't want people talking shit like, oh, we just sold out. I was just being swallowed up by the big boys. Like I want to do this 
the right way? Let's answer that a couple ways. So we only do things the right way, right? So I, I created this brand to compete with those that I didn't think were doing it the right way, right? So it was very thoughtful, like, you know, fuck these guys. I'm a whole field news for people. I'm going to travel around the United States wearing black and I'm going to hold funerals in markets, removing people from by the glass and, and the shelf space. I'm going to take their shelf space because I'm selling something that's very difficult to argue against. A legitimate made wine that's delicious, that's 30 bucks, that competes with a lot of wines that may not be doing things the same way. Right. Cutting a lot of corners, a lot of additives, a lot of crap. So that was always the journey. The journey was to give America a cult style wine at 30 bucks and MFN at 50 the whole sellout thing. Has, you don't think I'm saying that. No. Like, I'm just wondering how you deliberately. Because past was important to you. and I still live here. Sure. I, I have a foundation that, that, that I was one of the creators of still here. Yeah. I still donate a lot of money here, create programs, scholarships here. And we'll always do that. Past was very important to me because I made my money here. I want to spend my money here. Right. But the, the whole kind of somebody online, one of my. Uh, I think it was Chelsea or somebody said, yeah, the, one of the tweeters said, oh, sell out. And it's like, I, I love that. You take a guy that worked his whole life, was brought up with nine people and a thousand square foot home, never had 10 cents to rub together, doesn't have an education, uh, worked his whole life, drove tractors 18 hours a day, and then went into the winery, raised his kids, coached him in every sport. After football games, basketball games, came back and got on a tractor and, uh, still found time to go camping and take vacations and then come back and work, you know, 18 hours a day. If that's what a sellout is, it's the American cool, dream. Cool. I'm in. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Quite, sure. Quite the opposite. <laughs> it is. It is exactly what you just said. It's the American dream that that opportunity, the guy sitting across from me who sold a portion of his interest in one of America's great cab, uh, Cabernet uh, houses realm created this Mexican guy whose mom doesn't speak English. Right who's, you know, grew up in a house speaking all Spanish, went to college, went into the military. It's just a great American story. Sure. If anyone were to say, oh, you know, uh, sell it, it's an insulting term. And by the way, I never used to really think about it. We always bag on our athletes. And then you start to think about it like, wait a minute. You can say what you want about LeBron, but homeboy slept on a couch at night. And like, so yep. if we want to say sell out in any way, shape or form. Right, or taking my towns to Miami or whatever. Yeah, there's not one human that doesn't skip. But the regular guy that skips jobs because he goes from this company to Apple or Apple over to Tesla because they offer him a lot. Nobody says anything about that. No, that's okay. It's just a... That's a great point. It, 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 it's perfectly fine. When something like that happens and a big change that happens to you, like, tell me, what, what do you go out and buy one of those guns that spent out hundreds to go on a trip? Tell me you did something... Tell me you didn't just buy a Tesla or something. You do something fun, crazy, like some hip-hop stories where, where when, you, when you first sign, you get that first Cocaine, check. Cocaine, strippers yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Salon. <laughs> Dom P2 dumping it on each other. Right. Just, to, just to dump it on our body to bathe in it. We planted a money tree. Yeah. What did you drink that night? And it's producing. You know, everybody's asking me that. And I've got to be honest. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Nothing. Be before that, me and Juan, we drink like we're billionaires. We, like, yeah. We drink. I mean, we were so, lunch today. It's just great. Every, that's, we've always. We're drinking Whiteburgs. We're drinking Baller Bordeaux, <laughs> mostly Rhone's. Uh, but. 
brought okay. some of them here. You Always get- champagne. It's the way we live. So I, nothing really has. Have you seen anything different in me? I mean, no, we had not. already bought the beach house. <laughs> right. So. No, none of that changes. Though. I mean, that's why we got into the. That's why we got into the business. It's not for the money. There's other. Well, ways. you obviously don't get into. It's the same thing with radio. You don't get into radio for the money. No, you don't get into it. If you, some people get really, they work really hard, and everything kind of lines up. You, 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 you know, you can do pretty well for yourself. But this isn't like tech or anything like that. You don't get into it for that. The one thing, whether you're rich or poor, if you're in the wine business, you're fortunate that you get to drink and eat pretty well. And that's been our world for since day one. Like, we might have a one-bedroom house in the middle of the, you know, you might have a triple wide, but you drink and eat like kings. But there's white you know? burgundy that, in the fridge. But that's why we got into it. We got into it not for a big house, no, not sure. for the views, and not for that. It was just to experience ourselves to this elixir that we really like and the people that create them and the story and the histories and that's what makes this so fun. You know, we, we, it doesn't make it feel like work sometimes. We talk about the podcast. It's called Where Wine Takes You. And Where Wine Brought You and Took You was really interesting. You were a nurse. Yeah. Right? And then you also worked like in a wine shop? Yeah. So I, um, I started off while well, I was... Because um, people will ask. After high school, I went into the military for two years and I was a medic. Got out of school, got out of the military, and went into nursing school. And so, got a degree. And working in the Bay Area as a nurse, you can do pretty well, especially when you first when you first graduate. So the proximity to Napa made it very easy for me to take weekend trips up there. You're right there. And that was my exposure. And luckily for me, I had a great group of physicians at the hospital that were already collecting for 20 or 30 years. So they would open up their cellars and invite me. I was 24, 25, and uh, just got really exposed to it. And so this, these are, this would have been in the uh, early to mid-90s. So that was right about the time that the 92 vintage happened. Then you had the Screaming Eagles, the Dalavalas, the Harlands, the Rajos. They were all just taking off right then and there. It's kind of like the 82 vintage to what Parker did for the 82 vintage of Bordeaux. That's what he did with Napa. I mean, in terms of that the first true not true but the first cult wines came out around right around that time and so for me it was just like wow this is so cool because i had heard of the silver oaks i had heard of some of the classics diamond creeks but here were these new garage east that was a term that you heard in bordeaux sure. that were happening in napa and so for me i was intrigued and i was living 45 minutes from napa so i was there all the time and just loved it so. And then you kind of get bit somehow. You kind of got bit by the bug where you wanted to get into production. So that was really random. Um, I really wanted to just be around wine. So it could have been a wine shop, owning a wine bar, working as a psalm. I just really wanted to um, learn more about it. And so I decided um, to move up to Napa. And so made the move, still worked in the Bay Area, but I figured if I was now ever... Now commute's just reversed. I know, but if I, was ever, if I was ever going to break into the business, I would. it was going to happen in Napa. Yeah. I don't know why I felt that. Moved up there, uh, was buying wines. Before I moved up there, I was buying wines from Dina DeLuca. This is pre-internet, so you used to have to go to a shop and buy them, and they had the biggest uh, s- selection of Napa 
Napa wine. So I was going there all the time and Pax uh, Maley and Didier Lusto were two of the wine buyers there and I became really good friends with them. And so when I moved to Napa in Yachtville, it was literally a one and a half blocks from Didier Lusto. And so we, I got lucky with, it was DDA, Pax Maley, Wynn uh, Wilson, Wilson Daniels. We had a great tasting group. And so it was like a cram course of wines for me. I was meeting people. And that year I decided to work Harvest with Pax. It was his first year in 2000. And so I, I worked Harvest with him in 2001, still working at the hospital. About the same time, I started working at a wine shop called Enoteca that Fred Schrader and Margot Singleton had up in uh, Calistoga. And so I got exposed to some great wines there. I'm in this tasting group. I'm, I worked Harvest and uh, with Pax. And uh, it was a couple, maybe a year or two later, uh, it was Fred Schrader that introduced me to Andy Backstoffer. And somehow Fred was really the instigator because he kept saying, Juan, you got to make wines. You got to make wines. And one time he introduced me to Michael Skernick out of New York and I had zero clue who he was. And he said, this is Juan Mercado. He's going to be the next great Cabernet Franc maker is what he said. So that kind of always stuck in the back of my mind. And so in that's a cool story. Yeah. In 2002, I was able to start Realm. And it all, right about that same time, I came to Paso with Pax for Hospice de Round for the first time, and I met Eric. And so we were both starting new. Uh, we were both, we had both moved to wine country. He was in Paso, I was here, I was in Napa, but, but we were from different areas. And so our stories just kind of resonated early on, and we just hit it off, because we were both getting into the business in many ways, we thought we knew what we were doing, but at the same time, we had zero clue what we were doing. Well, fuck, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have 91 celebrities around me. Yeah, he, every time I hear him tell this story, I'm like, well, shit, I had a bunch of dummies. I had, I had Justin Smith driving a truck that was missing a tire, you know, on the rim. But just like Stefan but, in Speedos, and he's hanging around skirting. No. Fred Schrader, but, backstopper. But no one knew Fred. No, that nobody. was Those were the, before the glory days. His first 100-point wine from Tokolon, if I remember correctly, with 05 Vintage. Yeah. Thomas made that. That was years later that that yeah. wine came out. I used to get, I, I used to get, I used to refer people to his mailing list all the time because he was looking for people back when it first started, yeah. you know. And, and uh, so for the first four or five years, you could go on there, sign up, and get the wines. The great thing about Juan is that he got to see kind of the startup of two <clears throat> wine countries. By no means the startup of Napa, right? That was Robert Mondavi and Warren Winiarski and those cats, and even a little bit before them, but really the heyday. But you got to see the rocket ship of the Colt Napa Valley. And he also, at the same time, because me and him became friends and he became friends with everybody here, one also got to see the rocket ship happening from Napa, but of Paso. So, you know, he's telling these stories about uh, uh, Fred Schrader and Andy. Andy wasn't the greatest of known commodities. He had some, you know, he's the Missouri hopper. He's, uh, you know, he's starting these vineyards, buying up land cheap. But Wong got to see that. But he also got to see a Justin Smith that couldn't afford to pay attention, a Stefanoseo that was going broke, me that never had two nickels to rub together and, you know, lived in that modular. Scott Hawley just 
working for other people. So you're literally seeing a parallel happen here that you're kind of involved in up there. That's pretty exciting. It was 10, yeah, 10 years later, you know, that I could see the same thing happening here. And, um, but it was really cool to see because as things progressed in Napa for me, I was watching these guys who, you know, back in the day, Justin was making his wines in the garage, you know, and it was really cool to see, but, um, yeah, it was really cool to be a part of it and to see it. And so I could see that progression happening here in Paso. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting reading the story of you on Realm. The bio is so just open and candid, talking about like the struggles in the beginning and you and Benoit and Scott trying to like, feel each other out and get your bearings on each other. And then when you first start having this first like you know acclaim and and then to you know recently or maybe like what 2020 or 2019 where you decide to pull and take your talents to miami right yeah uh let's be honest i i'm very close with uh i I love benny and scott but they came in way later that Mm -hmm. was 2000 you know 12 2013 2011 juan was in the Dirty. It was you and who was you? So, right, okay. Wall was so, in the trenches, went, right? On the road. Window. Window and I started it in 2002, and then uh, Benoit and I were roommates. Started in 07, so we always wanted to work together, and we had we you know I mean when you're roommates you're you know Mike Harvey was our original winemaker, and um, so we were always like I would come in and ask you know, Benoit, what do you think of this? And Benoit would do the same thing because he was at Hartwell and consulting for other projects. What do you think of this wine? And so there was always this uh, camaraderie and just a great relationship. And so in 2011, Benoit came on board and then, um, yeah, and then we had the opportunity to partner up with Scott in 2012. And uh, we had started conversations before that, but in 2012 is... I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. You know, it was a great vintage. Um, well, it was it was it was three freaks too, right? I mean, you, between you, Juan is <laughs> arguably the greatest individual connection in the wine business that can connect people from around the world. Never sells his own stuff. Does a better job selling everybody else's. Isn't that funny? And we were talking about that dynamic a little earlier. His ability to build relationships is is second to none and then you got benny who's a freak winemaker um just a funny guy and then you've got scott who has an incredible business mind and is just so sharp i've spent hours and hours on the phone so that was great to say but you know it ran its course as every business does and juan took his talents to miami still has some ownership but Really, we needed him here in Paso. And by the way, I've told you this before. My guest house, I mean, there's been times I've been going to put the chickens away at night. And I'm looking down. I'm like, the fuck are the lights on down there? And there's 35 cars. (laughs) I pull up and Juan's got Brad Grimes from Abreu, you know, cooking on the grill. He's slicing because he was a professional chef and is still a freak of a chef. He's got freaking Andy Erickson uh, from you know god knows how many uh badass labels and Artie johnson who we got some wine on the table from artie has been around the wine business he's married to shannon staglin the staglin family obviously legendary and the greatest philanthropic 
arguably winery in the history of the world, uh, almost moving on to a billion. So he's got like this who's who at the guest house, always, and, and you didn't even know he was. There. And then a bunch of passive idiots that I wouldn't have been ever even let on my property without <laughs> fucking doing a, a TSA search, right? And uh, so yeah, the Napa guys come down a lot; they dig it. So having one is is just been such a blessing. And do we have you? Is that it? Like, are you moving down here? You're obviously starting a brand here. Started a brand here. Yeah, starting a brand here. Obviously, uh, it's going to come out later this year. Uh, yeah, I'm making a move down here at probably summertime. In the process now of looking at looking at places. It's just. Uh, are you going to keep your place in Napa? I'll keep it. Yeah, because yeah, I need that for Bottle Rock. Yeah. <laughs> you, that, would, that would be a problem for me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Tyler and Connor already asked for the room. I'm like, no, I think Eric has it. Yeah, fuck those two. <laughs> Look at that. People are already trying to get in. They're yeah. rich. They can afford a hotel. So that Syrah just... Before- Says the guy who just sold his brand of Constellation <laughs> for like nine zeros. What was it? What was the amount? Can you tell me the amount? It, it you know... Was it, nor- was it north of 10 million? Oh, come on. Was it north of 12? Are we talking like... Are we, we're not talking... In the words of, what was it, Drake? I don't know. It's a lot. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> was it north of 50? Was it north of a hundred million? I can't tell you that. You can't tell me that. Huh? It was a big sell. It might have been the, the uh, biggest sell to date in Paso. Well, is this um, public? Can I go find out? No, it's undisclosed. I think it's private. Yeah. Which is weird. I thought they would have had to disclose, and I was going to have to fucking start answering questions. <laughs> um, nobody's hungry, uh, but the good news is, you know, we raise our own food here, so no one was hungry before. So. Yeah. Not, nothing really has fucking changed, to be yeah. totally honest. Uh, but a little bit. I mean, just a little teeny bit. You probably buy Viva paper towels now. Yeah. That's what it is. I bought my brand. The, the Viva. Ones. No, the, the, bounty, yeah. the, the quicker picker up or the thick one. Uh-huh. Bounty. Now he has Charmin Ultra Red toilet bounty. paper. You want to know what I bought? What? Other than three jets and a boat? Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I bought? What? The first thing I went out and bought. Lululemon underwear because I always oh. had all my old underwear. Wearing them right and now. Lululemon the best. Are the best underwear. Uh-huh. Fuck Tommy John. I used to go Tommy John and no, they they will get holes. They're not good. They're they're not made nice. No. Lululemon. I got Lulu- last Christmas ones are still good. And so Lululemon, my big treat for myself is I went in my drawer because I'm a like a hoarder because like but man I, yeah I, I was poor my whole life yeah no get those and Lulus. so I went and I got all these. 10-year-old Fruit of the Looms that are up my crack, uh-huh. holes in them, and finally, I kept them See, for this a is the kind of story the that gets me. Of the drawer. I love it. My, my policy is once you can put your finger through the hole, then they got to go. But yeah. prior to that, they're fine. That's my policy yeah. with socks now, because all my <laughs> socks had holes in them. So I went out, and I got a bunch of new socks, and I got new underwear. Lulu's. They're the best. That's so cool. I order them in the five-pack or the four-pack. Dude! And That's I, when I see I've gone three pack, but I haven't gone more than three pack. And I, I got so many because I, I do my laundry when I run out of underwear. So the night I run out of underwear is when I, that's my trigger. I go do my laundry. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I don't have to do laundry as much anymore. But we were talking. That's about, a great story. That's what I was looking for. Lululemon. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about, yeah, getting Juan to Paso. But that Syrah oh. that, that you, you shot, like it was a tequila shot when we were in Mexico. <laughs> so that was his Syrah. We started with his Grenache. The Syrah also very, very characteristic of cool climate. Very Sinequinon-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, older Sinequinon, I think. And now the wine you're drinking is our good buddy, Jimmy Benz, who is a, a freak. We just had lunch with him and his brother. They're twins. And if they're not twins, there's, there's, somebody's lying to me because I walked in and 
said hello, Jay. Jimmy! To be compared to like, you know, Sinequanon and things like that, I mean, that is like kind of, and I mean, Eric too. I mean, Eric, your wines, they roll in very thin circles of like high-end cult wines that are incredible. Obviously, and we've talked to Eric about this, about maybe early press can help and, and just really boost you up. But I mean, with you, the relationships, obviously, I mean, you got more hundreds and you can count too. Like, what what was it that kind of put you that, you, that you feel that you're glad you did that, pushing into that next level, that, that upper echelon of wine production? Well, I think you have to, I mean, I think you have to check all the boxes, you know, you have to have, you have to have great wines, great story great people behind it um you gotta have you know everything you got everything from your brand to i mean no one buys a wine because of your branding but it all just has to make sense so it makes sense to your consumer whoever the supporter whoever's buying your wines where it just it just works and you gotta have a lot of luck too there's yeah a, you do huh there's a lot of great wine kind of like there. even in radio there's a saying like it's not what you know it's who you know and building those relationships having those connections i mean like you know Paderewski fruit this person's fruit you know york mountain fruit it's not always easy to get yeah, the first answer it's the, the first answer that he gave was the obvious answer it, you it it starts with one thing and that's the wine. Yeah. Every other box you check separates you into a different stratosphere. Yeah. But it all, there's no tricks. You're not tricking me. You might trick me once. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not buying the wine again. I don't care, you know, the one dude in Napa that charged that thousand years ago. I don't think it was Ghost Block or whoever it was. And the wine wasn't that good, so it, you know, it went away. Oh, Couldn't yeah. sell it. You can't trick people. Even Screaming Eagle, when they launched, it was launched with the first 100-pointer, right? And, and, and so while that wine has evolved and changed much lower in alcohol, a little thinner, that's their style. That's what they like. They're more Bordelais. You hit it on the nose at first. Everything else is then what separates you from the pack. You're not but in a conversation. If you're, you're not even in the conversation, brother. If, if you, don't have a, you don't have a great wine. Was it about Paso you liked? Enough to, yes, you were appreciating it from afar in this like parallel journey that your buddy Eric was also having. You're seeing the cool kids, what they're doing, the Stefans, the Justins. But what I, made you want to play here? I mean, my having worked with Pax and uh, just being introduced to um, the Syrah and just the Rhone varietals, uh, it, there was always a comfort there. And so living in Napa, I mean, if I lived in Sonoma, I'd be making probably Pinot, depending on where I was at. You can obviously there's some great Syrahs coming from there, but but it's about what it's about making the best wines you can. And uh, but I was always I've always enjoyed Syrah, all the Rhone, all the Rhone wines. I love Tempranillo. I mean, I love yeah. all, I love all wines, really. I mean, it's not like I'm not I was having a Riesling, uh, German Riesling last night uh, at home just by myself. I mean, that's that's I really enjoy as long as it's a great example of what it's supposed to be that's 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 my thing so but here you know napa you have the pressures of the bay area so the financials are a lot different you know you've got the wines are fantastic but they have to be in order to monetize the land and and all of that in in but it's 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 impossible to get into napa and start a winery 
where the wine itself pays for the land and the project. Those days have been gone for 35, 40 years. Uh, in Paso, if you create a great brand, it can actually afford on its own to buy property, to cultivate a vineyard, to ultimately build a winery, and which is 99% of the world in terms of business. But, and so that was another reason too, was wow, I can actually start something here on my own and not necessarily uh, have to worry about the aspect of bringing on other investors. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, sure. Uh, it gave me a great opportunity at Realm, but I also have more leverage today than I had back yeah. then when I was first starting up. Think of it as a silicon startup. When you right. first start up, you're first starting something new. No one knows who you are. It's you have your sweat equity. That sweat, sweat equity looks a lot different, though, if you've done something that people recognize and they know. And so that's opportunity that I have. And by coming here, I was able to create the new project, uh, you know, pretty much on my own. And yeah, it's, it's are you sourcing it's, some just like. Like bomb fruit? Or are you going to have your some estate vineyards? Let or? me tell you what he meant to say. What? He's pounding his motherfucking chest. What you, <laughs> when you created Realm, you're now walking into a room and you're the big, you know, you're the big, yeah, you know what. Right, you're, you're stepping up. So his chest is out. He's looking around. He's signing autographs. And yeah. the, the dynamic for him has changed. I'm going to say a little bit more arrogantly. He now gets to pick and choose because once you do that deal, you're looked at in a complete different light. Yeah. And this goes for the Silicon Valley guys, for all the guys in banking. Once you've sold something and forget sell, once you created and then sold an asset that was so valuable, then <laughs> it's. It's obvious, right? This guy knows what he's doing. And, yeah, you built a cachet. And by the way, he did it over a long time, so it wasn't like it was a year and it was locked. And sure, then he flipped it. It wasn't. No, but I was talking. I was talking to Artie today on our drive, on our four-hour drive today, and it's he and, he and he said what it took you twenty years to become an overnight success. You know? Right. Yeah, you've heard things like that, right? When you, yeah. Well, kind of, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Well, that's yeah. why you know there's realness to it. Yeah. You know he knows what he's talking about, and yes. He didn't come in looking for average fruit. He came in about the best vineyard. Yeah, he, came was, in, he came in looking to buy from the best sites. He's he's been through the days of fighting through well, a lot of it was dog a, shit. A lot of it's a testament to you, to Anthony, to Justin, the connecteds, to a lot of Chris, you know, Cherry, to uh, just a lot of buddies that I've known for that I met on my very first trip here, where it was like, what do you need? We're happy that you're here. And a lot, I mean, all of you guys gave up some of some of your blocks and arguably the best vineyards just to get me in there. Yeah, we, you know, we everybody and, chipped in. Really? Yeah. Gave up some fruit? We knew he was important. Yeah. But, but the other thing is, you, you look at it and he does the same thing. <laughs> at the end of the day, you look at it and it's like, how much food do I need? How much money do I need? It's like, that's not why we're in this business. We're in the business for the dinner tonight with Anthony at Royal Nunsuch. We're in the yeah. business for lunch today with Russell from a Herman story, uh, Donnie Burns at Turtle Rock, uh, Artie Johnson of, uh, uh, please pronounce it. Lay Artichasek. Artichasek. Lay Artichasek? Lay Artichasek, yeah. Lay Artichasek. Artie, God dang you. Uh, <laughs> That's why we're in the business and we're just 
hey, what did everybody, what did the families do? Uh, what are we drinking here on the table? And so whatever we could do for him to suck him in and keep yeah. him there and keep him there, shit, we were throwing in kids, wives. Uh, <laughs> you know. no, but, it, but it really has been open door um, to hospitality just from a vintner standpoint. Unbelievable. How do you juxtapose the way the game is played, the way it works, the, the way the, the whole journey is lived out? from Napa to Paso, the way the people are to each other, the way the vibe is these days. Um, you know, and no one from Napa is listening. No, no. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of similarities. Um, I think with, um, I think some people describe Paso as Napa 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and that's probably right. You know, there's a lot more similarities in Paso when I think about it, um, a lot more similarities to the 1990s. I moved to Napa in 1998, so um, it kind of resonates with that era. That what do, you, what do you mean by that? Do you mean more accessibility? So more, Fred was hanging around, the, the, the owners before they de- became too big were... De- definitely more accessible. I think, I think uh, when you start having more and more... Um, when you when you've got more money invested in anything, it just becomes you get more people involved, and it just becomes more competitive and much more um, secretive. And not everyone's that way, sure. But you definitely see that uh, more that aspect of it than you get here. It's it's and in Napa every I mean, for me with my the people that I connect with in Napa, it's they share everything with me. There's no secrets. Um and so that still resonates there. But you there is you've got a you know I mean it's so expensive now that you've got money coming in from other people from outside, from other industries that are much more competitive. You know Good point. I, I remember Steve Sherwin which we made the realm wines there from 02 to 06. He told me one time, he came from a construction background and he said, you know, Juan, this is a great business to be in. It doesn't make sense to me sometimes, but then again, he came from a construction standpoint and he said, you know, in construction, you kept everything close to your chest because everyone has their subcontractors, they're bidding, and it's so, um, so competitive. And he says, I came, he came from Clayton to Napa. And he says, my neighbors were coming to help me out. And it's like, my competitors are. And it's like, it's just a different business. And so you still have that. But as you get more and more money involved, it just, there's a, there's a distance there, you know, because you've got a lot of owners that are absentee because it's, it's very few people of the, the small producers. It's just hard to make a living there You've got to make money from whatever businesses that you made your money in order to get to Napa, if that makes sense. No, I, I totally get it. And the way I see it as an outsider that visits there a lot and has been at his house 900 times, your group, which is my group too, they're all still really close. But the guys that kind of started and gotten more and more popular are dragged more. So whether it's guests in town, their owners, the road, other business ventures, they're way less accessible. But when we go to Napa, 
And if it's me and you and, and, and when Chris Hole was there and, and DJ and Artie and Fern, it's, we're still rolling, right? Scott yeah. and Lewis. It's, you, you wouldn't know if you're in Napa or Paso Robles. Zero difference. The big difference is, is once, you know, like as I started <laughs> growing the brand, Stefan, we were always, because we were never a slave to someone else, which is the beauty of Paso, we yeah. never got dragged and pulled so much the way maybe some of the other guys that we're yeah. friends with, we don't need to mention names, are pulled apart. And so those gatherings become way less and way less when the reality is we could stop by on any Friday night or any given Tuesday. Hey, when you want to go to dinner, let's, you know, on Friday night after we close down, let's go over to Stefan's house. It's just, that part is really what's different. People think, yeah. oh, they don't share anything. They don't talk. No truth to that. But the, the groups, uh, the, pot, the groups that might have been a group 10 years ago, the, the more famous those winemakers get, the more pull, the less accessible, yeah. um, maybe the more responsibilities they've had. That's the only weird part is they've lost a lot of parts of their groups. How do you assure that doesn't happen? I mean, because you, you obviously want to run the show. Again, very deliberate. You're very, you're the master of your own presence well, as you're moving along. Well, here in Paso, that's the beauty of it is that most of us run our own show. Even yeah. with my deal with Constellation, they're like, you know, you stay here. We want to remember why we bought you. So I'm still the farmer, the winemaker. I still work with Hillary and me talk. We were in the vines literally today walking through stuff with Griselda, our foreman, on pruning. Hey, we don't like this cut. We want to make sure, you know, we're lower down the wire, blah, 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 blah. And me and Pete, you know, we're talking nonstop. Do you have to negotiate a salary after that when you become an employee? Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. not only negotiate the price of the company, yeah. but you say, hey, this is what you're going to pay your employee. I'll be open about that. I'm I'm getting the best salary I've ever got. I, had a, <laughs> I, was, I was way underpaid. I'm not. I, <laughs> I was underpaid. But the difference is the company was my checkbook. And well, sure. The company's, yeah. company's no longer my checkbook. So. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, that's all negotiated up front. And I didn't want to be an asshole. Now, under any aspect of this negotiation, I'd become such close friends with Robert Hansen and Bill Newlands, the, the top guys, and even Garth Hankinson, the CFO. I wanted to do right by them. I wanted to perform for them. Um, but yeah, so because I still run this business the same, there's no new people here. Right. It's, it's it's Chelsea. It's me. It's Armina. It's it's new. No, Dree came over from Firestone for events. It's Pete and Kyle. It's all the same exact people. My brother. Um, so nothing's changed at Booker. That's the beauty. But. What, going back to what me and Juan were talking about, that's the beauty of Paso yeah. is that Juan's the guy. He's not working for somebody else that maybe he can't share something or now he's so big they're sending him off or that he's always pulled away or now he's just so important he doesn't want to hang out or maybe he's got richer, bigger <laughs> friends. In Paso, we're, we're kind of all still outcasts. We're kind of all we got. So it doesn't, when we sit at the table, like... After my sale, I got no respect before that, and it, it might, it might have got even. People worse. People give me a lot of shit. It might have got even worse after. Like, no, yeah. one, no one cares. Do they no expect one. you to pay that first bill though when you're at like LPC or yeah, something? Yeah, a lot of guys started looking around. Yeah, but one jumped on today's tab and uh, wouldn't let me. I did. Uh, listen, hey, that was great, but nobody cares here. Like, no one's impressed by your show shit. They they just aren't. They just, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's also one of the questions I get all the time was, and I 
I hear about it. People won't tell me to my face down here, but they'll, I'll hear about it. And one of the things I get is like, they're almost afraid like Pats is going to turn to Napa. Sure. You know? Oh, we hear this all the time. I make it clear. It's never going to be Napa. Never, never, never. Nope. And people always look at me like, how are you so sure? Oh, it's common sense. It's easy. I'm like, imagine what Paso would be like if downtown LA was 45 minutes yeah. from, downtown, from downtown Paso. Bingo. Yeah. So that is why it's never, you're never going to have the pressures. Paso is going to change and it's going to change over the next hundred years and it's going to change it's going to become more and more a destination but it's never going to be napa because napa my house is 45 minutes from downtown san francisco from seven million people in one of the most expensive parts of the world that can come up drink for the day and go back home and one here's one other huge point what where was there more wealth created than ever before in the history of the world Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. Every one of those guys <laughs> that drank wine and had no money that then just sold for $30 billion, $10 billion, $50 billion, yeah. $700 million. What, what, what did they do? Yeah. yeah. Even in the southernmost point of the Bay Area is an hour and 20 minutes from my house in Napa. From that point, for me to drive from that point to Paso is two hours and 15 minutes. So... Do you drive an hour and 20 minutes to Napa or do you drive in two hours and 50 minutes to Paso? That's why it's never going to be, you imagine the land costs here. Oh it, yeah. It, it, so that would and it's drive. it's the same distance from LA, really. Yeah, that would drive, if, if, if downtown LA or downtown San Francisco was 45 minutes from here, the land prices would be through the roof here. You'd have to in, improve farming drastically in order to monetize the property. You'd have to, then you'd have the hotels. And so that's why it's like, is it going to change? Of course, you're going to get new people moving in. Um, that's, but that happens everywhere, but it's never going to be Napa. And uh, people don't have to be afraid of that. Uh, I love Napa. That's why I've lived there for 25, 25 years. It's home, you know, and uh, this will be my new home. And they, they both have amazing positive stories and um yeah all of us the funny thing about all of us we we visit all visit him yeah. he sets us all up there's not one of us that isn't i know kit's always up uh 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 not connor but uh russell connor get, gets up there quite a bit russell from is up there quite a bit why am i losing one of our closest friends right now uh stanley oh. stanley, oh, love is, stanley stanley oh. and kit are yeah. always up there i mean so many i'm up there next month on the trip that i bought at the auction so we love it yeah it, it this isn't becoming napa uh and his points are 100 percent spot on so when are we going to start seeing oh, well the name you never told us the name what's the name stay tuned stay tuned okay we'll have to come maybe you'll come back on the podcast when you're wasn't that yeah. bugs bunny stay tuned yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well it's really cool to finally meet you yeah and really cool to hear your story and like it's it's an exciting story it's really something to like you want to watch more and like i feel like i'm already a fan of yours the wine's just beautiful and the wine Thank is you. so beautiful i feel lucky to drink it that's all anthony he's a he's, he's a, a fantastic winemaker we've had him wow. on too he's yeah. great he's great He's right. like a winemaker for hire. He's like a, like a, a lot of the big dogs use him. Yeah, but, but his core is definitely dinner. It's where it's, yeah. it's the job that got him to where he can 
have somebody like Juan even consider him because Juan, you know, Juan wanted hot, you know, it was going to be either Jim Bins or Anthony and, 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 uh, we're drinking Jim's wine right now from Andremoli, which is just super good. Yeah. So Juan wasn't looking in the amateur hour. No, sure. He wasn't on indeed.com. Um, Anthony's a star and Anthony is one of the most diverse guys. I've seen Anthony make cool climate stuff and I've seen him make hot climate stuff and, his York Mountain stuff is good. We did the podcast. He brought it out an old, he brought out an old JBV white from back in the day. Like, you know, it was really exciting. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, he's good he's as white. Stuff, so one of the things I like is, you know, one of my all-time favorite winemakers in Napa is Helen Turley. Huh? But you knew as a producer, if you hired her, it was it was her way or the highway, you know, and and, and which I don't blame a lot of winemakers for being that way. Whereas Anthony, and for me starting the project here, it was new working with Grenache. I mean, after 15, you know, shit, since nine, since 2001 with PAX, it had been a long time. So for me, there was a learning curve. So I would always say, Anthony, what are your thoughts on this? He's like, what would you, uh, and I would say, what would you do? And he would always say, he's got zero ego. And he would always say, well, this is what I would do. But for what you're trying to do, this is what I would do different. That's helpful. No, it is. And that's why that was that was a very important thing, because he knew that um, I had a certain style and idea that I wanted. And uh, he was super open minded. to. Well, it's it. like an author needs a good editor. You know, you could be the greatest writer. But if you don't have a good editor or, you know, an artist needs a great producer. Yeah. You know, and these relationships, they end up being so totally important. Yeah. But I, I'm really excited to be a fan of yours now to finally meet oh, you, thank you. Listen to your story. I was really interested in reading about you. And then just hearing like Eric talk about you. Everyone talks about you like so well. You've made a lot of really neat friends here. That's really cool. You know, like, that's a good yeah, on you, man. Been coming here for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, Everyone's been uh, just wonderful, and uh, I can't... Um, They're just so excited that you're playing ball here. Yeah. You can I'm tell. E I'm excited. Yeah, and that's I, cool. I can't wait to be down here even more, and uh, so I'm excited. Taste his first 100-point wine from Paso, Eric. <laughs> Probably come next year. Well, thanks for still having me back. Well, I had to get permission this time. <laughs> no, no permission needed. I still have the keys. Come on, man. That's awesome. Well, I hope I didn't ask anything that... No, shit. That was fun. Listen, to me... I think it... You do uh, probably have to submit it for approval. Yeah, I, oh I will have to submit it to Constellation, all the audio, yeah. and uh, I'm going to beep out my cussing. Beep, beep, uh, beep. Right. They bought into what they bought in. They knew it. And the great thing to me about the deal is it gives every one of those young guys in Tin City, every one of those guys, an opportunity to say, hey, if, if one day... I, I need an exit strategy. If I don't have kids that want to take it over, I've got it. And for me, I was just excited. And by the way, they came in at the Paso auction. They spent like a half a million bucks. Wow. They were cool. the, by far the biggest uh, uh, spenders. Um, they've invested in Cal Poly. Uh, they've invested in a, uh, That's another, really cool. another diversity. That says a lot, you know, doesn't it? That's yeah. pretty cool. And so they're all in. So for me, it tells a lot of the young guys that, hey, we can do it here. It does, doesn't just happen everywhere. Now, no one goes into it saying, I want to build this and sell it. Right. Very few in this business. I don't know any. Like, it never occurred to me for 21 years. Do you have to get a lawyer to do all the negotiating? It feels like you'd be a dude because you're so good at, like, your words and talking. And I imagine you could be persuasive and, and smart at negotiating table. Do you kind of tell the I'm, lawyer? Yeah. I'm good at my fucking words. 
Did you did those words just come I out think of you're mind? persuasive and you have you have charisma, you have a whole lot of things going on that I imagine if there's if we're at a table with some lawyers, do you kinda like want to jump in and kinda like, hey, I got something to say. I wanna oh my god, a bear just walked in. I buried it in That's my a dog. beautiful dog. Is your dog? That's my Burmese. That's a beautiful dog. dog. Watch her tail on show. That tail will knock glasses down. Um, no, I hired an MA firm. You, a guy like me, you know. You be great at what you're great at. Don't try to be great at something that you're not I, i'm not an attorney i'm not a uh the, the intricacies of the deal are monstrous i mean the deal takes a year to go I'm, I'm so happy for you man are you the happiest you've ever been no i'm no it, it, no i i'm i'm just always happy you're i'm just, always thankful i don't know that i'm happier now i'm definitely not happier than when my kids were born or not happier than watching my daughter play volleyball or my boys play basketball in high school you know i'm in a really good spot, but it's just hard to explain. I'm not, not that that's brought me no happiness. No, and I didn't mean it that way. I just meant like, I mean, I think from a, even, you know, we talk about American dream. We talk about a career. I mean, it's a career move. It's a, it's a cool thing. There's a lot of pride that I don't show too much. I feel like there's a part of you that almost wants to push out like, Hey, I'm still this thing. Like no one's questioning that you're not like, I I think it's so cool that we were able to have this conversation and so candid just, I was, I would have expected you to. Well, I go into the jacuzzi at night, every night to do my rehab for my shoulder. Yeah. And that's when I kind of look up at the stars and I look around at the house and I'm like, you know, why me and how did this happen? So that part. So cool. But I've kind of always done that. Now I'm just doing it at a larger level. But yeah. And with a Burmese mountain dog. Listen, we're happy because of what we do. It's hard to explain to the normal person. I mean. I wake, I wake up on this vineyard and I ride a quad to work. You left, I mean, you transplanted, you transplanted your entire family up here where there weren't any vineyards on this property. There was not a single structure here. And I mean, you brought them basically to the middle of nowhere at the time is probably what they were thinking. And I mean, you obviously had faith in what you were doing, but also it took a lot of you, you know, I've always, my, my, I've always said you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And when you're starting something new and you're basically leaving your comfort zone to go somewhere else and start something, that's kind of, very few people can do that. And so I don't think you'll ever allow yourself to be fully comfortable and satisfied because you're always pushing. Never satisfied, but, yeah. But does but, Eric Jensen start a new brand like Adam Lee and things like this? I think I would start... Uh, I think maybe me and his path will cross one day together. Um, cool. But, but I like my partner, to be honest. I, and they've got a first right of refusal on anything that, that I do. They at least want to have me show it to them. And they've been so good. It's like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm not done. I, I There will never be a day. Like, Stefan just retired. And he does projects and, like, he races cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Races cars, likes to fish, but he also likes to read and do things. Yeah. I'm, he was telling me everything. It was so awesome. God, having dinner with him and just talking about the grandkids. It's, I, I can't retire. I'm excited for the next chapter. Hopefully one day I get grandkids and I'm teaching them how to ski and I'm babysitting and taking on trips. But for me, no fucking way, man. I'm, I'm thinking about going to the Green Bay Packers game this Sunday. And if I don't go this week, I'll go next. Uh, I'm going to the Masters. I'm, you know, me and him will be on a couple road, you know, uh, events this year uh, for auctions. Me and him do a lot for uh, outside uh, charity work for uh, wine auctions. I'm already 
I just have too much fun doing what we do. I mean, what else are me and you going to do? Yeah. We don't play 36 a day. Like, <laughs> I can hike for a couple hours. I, don't, yeah, I can never... play some pickleball. But, I mean, you know, I like the paddleboard, but this is what I do. I and just, I feel I'm... at 54, and, and Juan is uh, 52, 51? 51. I don't feel any, well, my shoulder, I guess I do feel different. My back, my shoulder, my knee. <laughs> but I don't feel mentally any different than sure. 28. Yeah, no, I remember you, you told me, like, it was like three or four years ago, and I remember that when someone asked you, like, I forgot what the question was, but you said, no, I'm still 25 up here. My body might not be, right, but yeah. I still feel, and that's the same for like, me. How, how, what are me and you going to do? No. <laughs> this is all we We're going to self-combust if we stay home. Right. Well, thanks for having me out here. This was so much yeah. fun. Cool, brother. I always love just getting a chat, you know, chance to chat with you. It's always great to see you do such an unbelievable job for Paso. And you know I always stroke your ego, but it's the truth, what you do. And uh, you keep the outside people uh, informed of what we're doing. And um, you got a new friend today. I love it. One, it was really yeah. nice to meet you. Did you have fun? Pleasure. I had zero clue what I was getting into, and this was awesome. And thank you. Yeah, you made it easy. It's comfortable, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I well, it's really it. cool to have you. Look forward to hanging out with you again. Thank Thanks you. for sharing some great wines. I want to cheers to both of your good work and what cheers. it's earned and cheers. where wine's taking you. Cheers. Cheers. So give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Thank you so much to Eric Jensen of Booker, and thank you to Juan Mercado for the time, and thank you to Constellation for giving Eric the permission. No, I'm just joking. I'm totally kidding. Uh, these guys are, they're busy. You know, they really are, and I appreciate them fitting me in between all of the things they got going on. Also for Juan for making the drive down before he permanently is settled here to join us. That was really cool. So if you like what you hear here, please slap a like or five-star rating on the podcast. Share it. Tell a friend. And when you subscribe and review, jot down a few words. When you do, it helps us so much. Well, Paso is just thriving right now. Come visit. If you're here, get out to taste, explore. Maybe somewhere you've never been. And you know the website, PasoWine.com? It's a great resource to figure out where to try next. So hit up PasoWine.com, and I definitely hope to see you soon. Some really fun episodes ahead. I cannot wait. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on Where Wine Takes You. Good company performed by Moonshiner Collective. Make sure you visit PasoWine.com for any and all things Paso before your next trip. And follow Paso Wine on Instagram at Paso Wine. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. You can find me on Insta. I always got pictures and some things from the shows at Adam on the Air on Instagram. And next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard weekdays on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. You can also stream it online. Crush with a K. Crush925.com. It's also a free app. Until next time, put a little in that glass and cheers with gratitude and joy in where wine takes you. And give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, we'll come, give me that moonshine.
time to get filing Pass all round till the job is done Camp out in the trees It will simplify and work on Give me that moon sound We'll get filing Pass all round till the job is done